0: Welcome to the Open Table Theology Podcast. Uh, My name is Jared Kendall, and I'm a United Methodist pastor in Fishers, Indiana. And this is episode three of a new project I'm working on, a new concept, a new idea that I've been playing with for a while, and now I'm kind of launching. Uh, Open Table Theology is is this idea of bringing uh, to the table different voices, different experiences, and creating a safe place for people who feel displaced to talk, to wrestle, to ask important questions. Really, the idea of Open Table is to provide a space in which we can have meaningful conversations in meaningful ways. And so, at least two of the ways that I'm going about this is one through this podcast that I'm doing every two weeks, releasing it on Mondays, and then still uh, meeting on Sundays. From five to six p.m. at the Well Coffee Shop in Fishers, Indiana, right downtown in the Nickel Plate District. Now, I will say that if you're interested in in being part of that, I'm going to take two weeks off. We have uh, I have a commitment this Sunday for church that will take up all afternoon, and then the following week I'll actually be traveling um, to Houston, Texas, for a leadership um, uh, program that I got got into. So I'm going to be off the next two weeks, but I'll follow up with you on that. Uh, about what the plan is, as I'm continuing to discern and reimagine um, how um, those conversations might look. So I'm excited. I've been having good conversations and um, have some good ideas, I think, that are in the works to help make open table conversations um, even more fruitful. But today I'd like to welcome Patrick Eckhart to the table. Um, Pat and I have known each other for over ten years now. Uh, we we went to the same college together but didn't really know one another until um, getting hired in the admissions office after we had graduated. Since that time, um, Pat's become one of my best friends and I have loved being on a journey with him because both of our lives have changed drastically in the last 10 years, having experienced tremendous highs as well as really low lows. And yet, we've been able to journey through them together. And so, today, as um, Pat joins the conversation, I invite you to listen to his story, in particular, the ways his spiritual journey has evolved and grown and been challenged through the years. So, take a look, listen, and I hope you enjoy the conversation I'm having with Pat today. So one of the things that I, I guess connected me to you so early on was when we went, we we had to share a hotel room, and I forget there must have been some admissions conference or recruiting event. I don't even know what we were traveling for. Maybe one it was those, the fall retreats, retreat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and you shared a little bit about your life story, and I thought. For today's podcast, it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about your your spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had a really, I think, a really interesting life, and much of it resonates with my own, although in wildly different ways. The particulars of our lives have been very different. Yeah. Um, but you want to share a little bit about, I don't know, your, your upbringing, mm-hmm. your
1: family? Sure. So I, I grew up, I was born in Peoria, Illinois, and, and we lived at the time in, in a small kind of Farming community, Glassford, Illinois. Where my my dad's the IMF his pastor, and he actually was appointed to three country churches, so he'd travel mm-hmm. to each every Sunday. And then when I was uh, four and a half, roughly almost five, that summer, we moved to Peoria, and uh, that's where I grew up then. he's He's been there since. And um, not maybe a year later, um, my parents split, they divorced, and, and so you have this weird. Dynamic of of um, on the one side you have your, my dad who's the, who's a pastor right like mm-hmm. he's the pastor dad and then you have my mom who left mm-hmm. um, and so there's this weird like as a child you tr- kind of want to polarize and you're like well dad's good mom's bad mm-hmm. uh, which is easy to do and and you spend the rest of your life trying to unpack that with counselors mm-hmm. um, and uh, trying to figure out then like there's so much of of how do I now live life and and love my mom and and love my dad and and try to be the child of both of them and, and yeah. try to be um it, i think i think every child's dream is to to bring their family back together if, yeah. if their family is divorced you know it's the parent trap it's like it's like if I'm watching this movie and it's like i need a twin where am i gonna find a twin is this um, the Lindsay
0: Lohan version? Uh, version? Without,
1: that's a little later. I, I, <laughs> I'll do both. We'll, we'll go either way. Um, and then at the same time, that was a pretty fruitless hope. Right? My mom is a lesbian. Um, mm-hmm. so that's She left my dad for another woman. So so it's kind of like, how do you... It's like, Mom, <laughs> just change that. Uh, you know. But as a kid, that's kind of where you're at. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's like, well, it should be that simple. Mom should just decide to be with the family. And, and Dad should just decide to be and and then it would work. Mm. Um So so that's how I mean gosh, I could spend years unpacking that, I guess I have. Mm. Um So I I guess I grew up really admiring my dad. Um I think that that he had a really tough job to to pastor a church, to raise uh four kids as kind of primary caretaker. Mm. I I don't know. I was talking to him this weekend. We were in town and I said, Dad, how did you keep up with laundry? Like, I got three kids and I can't keep up. And, and I'm married. And uh, he's like, He's like, literally, if I missed a day, I was just done. Like, wow. I was just buried. He's like, If I missed a day, I'd have to pull an all nighter to catch up. Like, it's just, like, you just couldn't. <laughs> well, yeah, three boys. <laughs> three boys, yeah. And, and we we're all in sports. So, like, mm. multiple outfits a day. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. He, he. God bless him. Uh, and yeah, so that's I don't know. That's yeah. like the, the real quick and dirty version. Yeah. Uh, of of my upbringing.
0: Well, I I guess I always thought that was interesting from that first night when you shared, you know that that story, because cause my my grandpa was a United Methodist pastor also, but he divorced my my grandma when my dad I think was twelve. Um, because he was having an affair with the church secretary. And so, you know, and then there was my grandma who's, I think, at her highest was like a five-foot-one little English woman with three adopted Asian babies, um, two Korean and one Chinese American. Hmm. And I don't know, I guess, obviously the details are very different. Mm-hmm. And yet, I think, just the realities of, of life and the brokenness and the pain, I don't know, I felt a lot of connection Mm -hmm. with you there Mm -hmm. um and obviously your experiences are even more personal than because i'm living kind of through my dad's upbringing um but growing up though in a in a in a a parsonage and in in the son of of a methodist pastor with all of this um
1: how how old were you when your dad remarried I was fourteen. It was my freshman year, in in the, I think maybe this—I think it was the summer after my freshman year in high school.
0: After okay, uh-huh. okay. Uh-huh. Uh So you were okay in high school. Um, how how was it growing up, man? With living, I guess it, it, as a as a pastor's son as a PK mm-hmm. as yeah. people call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, did you go to those PK conventions?
1: <laughs> uh, we did go to. We had like during um, district conference every year. So mm-hmm. so my dad had to go to district district conference and uh and there was like a camp at i want to i want to call it east bay but i'm pretty sure that's like a, a mail order uh shoot catalog <laughs> yeah <laughs> um it's something east something camp and It was the United this camp in illinois huh. and they had like pk camp basically really so they had a camp like an overnight camp for for all the pks oh, whose yeah. parents had to go basically it was like this this covers you huh. when you go to annual conference and we did that a few years, so that was kind of funny. I didn't... I, looking back, it's like, that's a funny dynamic. I don't... It didn't click at the time. Mm. It was like, oh, yeah, we're all PKs. It was just like, oh, eh, you're going to camp. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a weird... Growing up a PK is a weird thing. We're uh, Having this conversation, I've got a, a, a brother, um, technically half-brother, but in my heart, full brother, mm. um, John, who's 14, and... Fourteen, uh, yeah. Oh my goodness, That's crazy. Yeah, um, and uh, and it's weird because, like, when you grow up in that dynamic, I I don't know that I can I can pinpoint a, a single person who put pressure on me as a PK, mm. and yet I felt it like mm-hmm. like overwhelming at times, you mm-hmm. know. And it's not like it's like well, no one had expectations of me, and yet at the same time, everyone knew who I was. Mm. And and I was at least representative of my dad. I mean, gosh, do you read uh, mm. in I forget if it's First or Second Timothy, but Paul talking about pa- being a pastor and and your kids have to obey you. And mm. and it's like it's like if, even if no one in the church put pressure on me, come on, Paul, Paul's putting pressure on me. Like <laughs> I I have got to obey, or my dad's call is invalidated, and mm. that was like. That's an intense pressure huh. to live with. Yeah, um, and so even if like no one is huh. at fault necessarily, there's just this inherent tension of 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 knowing that you don't only represent your own life. Mm. Um, you really are carrying so many layers of of my mm. family, my siblings, my dad, this church this denomination Mm. christianity as a whole it's like it's like i felt like by my actions i could invalidate my faith Mm. uh at least in the eyes of others Mm -hmm. which uh, maybe a fair pressure but but also i think to an unfair degree sometimes on a little kid yeah um or when someone's just not maybe equipped to to wrestle with that, like like yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't wrestle through it rationally. All I could do was feel it emotionally because I was a child and mm-hmm. and my brain was, you know, at, at that place where it was like I couldn't even. I don't know that I could have even put words to it as a kid. Mm-hmm. But now reflecting back, I look back and I think, oh yeah, of course, of course, I felt this this incredible tension and pressure. Um Once you sort of acknowledge the the context of the entirety, hmm. that's interesting. I haven't thought about
0: it. From those angles, because I always thought about it as, you know, I my call is to be a pastor, and it's not like I mean, Kate just happens to be married to me. It's mm-hmm. not like she was called to be a pastor's wife. Right. Um, and then certainly our kids aren't, you know, called to be a pastor's kid. They just yeah. happen to be the the pastor's children. Um, but there's there are more layers to it. Uh, I hadn't thought of it before. I, I'm gonna need to think about that more. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you don't, you know, like it's hard enough <clears throat> growing up, let alone, and it's just it's
1: different. Mm-hmm. It's just a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's weird too. I think, uh, in some ways, I I almost felt like guilty growing up in in like blue collar Midwest in the '90s, and like I kind of have this secret about my mom being gay, oh, which, yeah. which like, uh, I I think would be something for any kid to wrestle with, but particularly mm-hmm. in that era where, where it was just, like, mm-hmm. um, looking back, it's just crazy. Like, she left our family to be gay in the Midwest in the 90s. Like, ugh. yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you kind of have this, like, hmm. is that... How much a part of my story is that? And, mm-hmm. and how much do I own that? And, and of course, I was an empathetic kid, and I, I always... I always have, and I continue to, probably carry more of other people's struggles yeah. on myself than I ought to. I've gotten healthier with that, but empathy's good, caring for people is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are not bad traits, but they can also overwhelm. And, and once you're overwhelmed, you can't actually care for people anymore. So mm-hmm. there needs to be balance. And, and um, I think I, I held on to some of that responsibility for my mom's life and actions and, and that tension of not knowing quite what to do with it because you have narratives from one side and narratives from another side and and like regardless of where the narratives are coming from it's like this is still my mom yeah this is still my mom this is the woman who birthed me and raised me and and I can't not love her um and I won't not love her but I'm not quite sure how to love her yeah um
0: yeah and a lot of that you know, in seasons of your life when you're like forming your identity mm. and becoming more self-aware and asking, learning to ask some of these layered questions. Um, did, did faith have, uh, it, it, a voice in that or mm-hmm. what, what, what role I guess did, did faith have? Because on one hand, you have it kind of institutionalized with your father being the pastor of a church yeah. and you being enmeshed in the in the layers of Methodism, uh-huh. um, while also all these other dynamics going on. I don't know. What was your, your relationship
1: with, with, with faith growing up, I guess? Well, I think uh, faith was, was that ever-present, you know? Like, it was just always a part of our story. I, I mean, I could count on one hand the Sundays that I missed... Yeah. Uh, before college, anyway, um mm-hmm. once I was responsible to wake up um you know and and so in some ways, faith was a given um, faith was also in a lot of ways an external construct. Mm-hmm.
0: Pat's continued uh, growth and journey and questioning and evolution of his own uh, relationship with God inevitably led him to becoming a bivocational pastor. He worked his full-time job as a marketing director in a company in Marion, Indiana, and also working as a site pastor at a new church start that rented space from the downtown historical First United Methodist Church. As an outsider, I thought it was really fascinating to see this juxtaposition of old and new. Uh, But Pat explains a little bit about how his journey, even as a pastor, continued to evolve and questions continued to persist. uh, Ones that actually led him and his family to, uh, after a season doing both, to step away. And in fact, move here to Fishers, where Pat now works in, in, in the area, and Brittany, his wife, does as well. Uh, I'm thankful because they live closer. But Pat's going to explain a little bit more about uh, what was going on internally and what led him and them to inevitably make this move, this shift in life. Uh, Pat's story is a fascinating one, and I hope it's one that resonates with you as we continue listening to his journey and what he has to share for us today.
1: Being a pastor is such a, a difficult call because because I, I don't believe faith is static in any way. I mean, it's this is this dynamic journey we're on. Um, I, and so, um, and yet you're living it publicly in front of a group of people and so you're you're interpreting you know scripture to the best of your ability in the moment on the fly in some t- ways and and then you know years later you look back and you think huh i'm a different person now what, yeah. do, you know and, and you wonder how you reconcile those and um we hit the point where uh Brittany and i had a lot going on with our kids and and um we were going through some kind of changes in our marriage as, as we had kids and we were learning how to communicate in a different way and mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes in a really ugly way and sometimes in a really beautiful way. And we kind of went through that pain together and, and uh, felt like at that point we were like, we're not giving. Like, like I've got my job, which is my main job. Mm-hmm. I've got uh, my family, which is, which is really my number one job. Mm. I, I can't give... I can't give what I need to my family which is to work this job to to make income to you know provide mm-hmm. for my family and also to to be in right relationship and good relationship with my wife and 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 dive through that that honesty and that that pain of like rewriting what, 7 8 years of 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 pattern and and acknowledging that we're both different people than we were when we were married cuz mm-hmm. we got married at 21 and 22 yeah and we were children um, I don't know who let us do that but yeah. uh, someone said that was okay and uh, and like lo and behold in the next decade we changed as people like duh mm-hmm. and, and but we didn't always change together and, and we mm-hmm. kind of felt like hey we gotta get on the same page and we gotta make sure that we are growing and changing uh, with one another and not apart from one another and um, I'm really proud of that decision honestly yeah. I think that's a hard place because you're you're a public figure and, and to step down from a position. I mean, I could see, like, you, you run into people, in and it's a small town. You run into people, and they're yeah. like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, yeah. there's just kind of like people are kind of wondering what happened. Like, anytime yeah. a pastor resigns from a position, there's this, like, what happened? And, and, uh, yeah. And it was like, You know what? I knew that was going to happen. I knew that would be there. I knew that conversation would take place behind closed doors, but. I needed to do what I needed to do for my family and for my wife and for my kids. And, and uh, so we stepped down from a, a direct uh, ministry position then and stepped into just like a supportive position. We're doing some, some treasurer work, um, frankly, not very well. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a treasurer. No one should have ever trusted me for that. But But <laughs> they were gracious to put me in that position so they could continue to Keep us on payroll so that we wouldn't have any additional stress on our family in that time. Yeah, um, I spent a year and a half, maybe, doing that, and um, and uh, and kind of journaling. I, I think one of the one of the difficulties for me as well, being in ministry, was that I I was starting to to ask questions about my faith that I'd never asked before, and I felt like I needed to stand up uh, a couple of Sundays out of the month I was preaching uh maybe half the time maybe a third of the time something like that and 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 preach a sermon on a text and so I I didn't have the freedom to wrestle with the text in a way that that maybe I, I wished to mm. or or I was wrestling with it but I felt like I needed to I need to come to some concrete concrete conclusion every time I'm writing a sermon because mm. I need to give people something yeah. you know I, it's not enough to just be like you know this is a tough text. Good luck. Um, <laughs> it might be honest, but people don't really get pumped up for that. Some they, didn't, do. they didn't have him sing at uh, <laughs> the Downtown campus No, right? no, we didn't. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> um. So, so I, I. Um,
0: so there's like a. The, part of i guess the transition
1: mm-hmm. here in
0: addition to wanting to prioritize your relationship with Brittany and yeah. the kids is is also this i don't know uh, intellectual or spiritual honesty with with you, with your journey you've talked mm-hmm. about you know this kind of ebb and flow of, of a dy- dy- dynamism that's within our spirituality and so at this point in your life it sounded like there was some d- growing dissonance i guess uh-huh. between internal wrestlings with then like this public uh, role you you had yeah. you played I guess also yeah.
1: yeah so I guess what really um started me on on a path towards what I would probably now call uh I don't know wrestling with faith would maybe maybe be the 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 you know genesis model of jacob fighting with god and basically saying i'm not gonna stop till you bless me and then and then he breaks his hip and it's like well okay <laughs> thanks for the new name <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's real it's cool yeah. um
0: Putting together this podcast, um, Pat and I continued a conversation, but I wanted to uh, remove this part of, uh, of what we talked about. Um, Pat goes on to share, and he didn't use any names, but uh, a common friend of ours, um, their family experienced a, a horrific tragedy. Um, now they're doing well today, and um, their faith has grown in ways that inspire me and Pat and other people. But their story is theirs to share, and so I just don't want to put it on here on the podcast. Uh, What I will say is that in a moment you're going to hear how their tragedy affected Pat also in ways that prompted more struggles, more wrestlings with God, and caused some pretty serious questions to be asked that Pat is is still wrestling through. I must say... I felt very similar uh, to the ways um, that that Pat will express as I continued to process and and, and be impacted by what happened to our friends. In all these things, there is at least the common um, shared experience that we all at some point will face tragedies or crises of faith, um, events in the world that will prompt us to be asking some really serious questions about what we believe and about who we are and about who God is and how, if even possible, to reconcile it all together. Well, those might be questions that that you have asked or will ask. Uh, Here are the questions that Pat asked and then how he continues to wrestle with God through them.
1: I can't deny that that really pushed me into a place of, of maybe, um, wrestling with some of the, the goodness and the providence of God and how those two go together. Mm -hmm. Um, particularly like, you know, you start asking, it's like, oh, it's like, okay, is God good? And it's like, well, yes. And they're like, well, Why? And that was one of my first big questions was when I said, "Well why do I believe that God is good mm. and I realized it's like well because the Bible says he is and it's like okay well I don't believe someone is good just because they say they're good right mm. um, that's not that's not that's not enough uh, you know just because someone says they're innocent doesn't mean because guess what every one of those kids said they were innocent uh, in court um, hmm. I, it doesn't mean they are and so and so then I I started allowing myself to move beyond just um, what has been presented to me in my life as as non-negotiable suddenly became negotiable, Mm. which was really freeing and also really terrifying Mm. and really difficult. Um, It's one of the more painful... Uh, several years of my life after mm. after I first let myself ask that question, yeah. and and I said no, you can't ask that. And I said, and then I remember as a pastor, well, I would t- when people would ask questions, I would say, you know what, like if if God is good and God is real, then God can absorb your questions, mm-hmm. and 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 so while I was giving other people permission to do that, I wasn't allowing myself permission to do that, and yeah. that's something that I think I, I needed to do, and I needed to be able to say, what if everything I believed is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, what if all of this is, is I've just believed because that's what I've been conditioned to believe. And this is my tribe and my culture and, and my people. Um, and the cost of leaving it would be too high. Mm-hmm. Um, what if the cost wasn't high? Would I still believe this? Would I still want to follow this truth? Yeah. Um, and that then, you know, once you let yourself ask questions uh boy you get more and you get more and you get more and uh and that's I think where I'd probably characterize my faith today is just like I just keep ask I keep allowing myself permission to ask questions because I'm I'm fairly convinced that that if I'm living a faith that is is completely outside of the realm of of questionability then I'm I'm not actually living a faith that's valuable because it's not real to me if the faith is real to me then the faith that needs to be able to withstand some degree of of uh, uh of wrestling and uh criticism and and if it doesn't then it's then it's not actually real to me and if it's not real to me then then why am i doing it and is it valuable um yeah i think i I've,
0: I've appreciated your 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 honesty and your willingness to share to the listeners um it, I, because one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today is because i I don't think while 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 your wrestlings are particular to to your own journey they also though might resonate with other people who go through what I would call a faith crisis um, mm-hmm. and normally at least in many people's journeys including my own that, that those aren't just one and done but rather they're they're a, they just happen differently Mm -hmm. over time and in different ways. Um, Two things I guess I was thinking about and not, not to name drop, but I will. Um, <laughs> Stanley Hauerwas is a theologian. Woo. I know, Stanley. Stanley the Manly, as we used to call him at Duke. Uh. Uh, no one called him that, just me. <laughs> uh, but he, in his memoir, I love his memoir, um, Hannah's Child. I'd recommend it to anybody. It's his autobiography where he talks a little bit about, too, his own pressures growing up. Uh, in this, in a, in a biblical story, um, Hannah couldn't have a son, and she prayed to God. And then hmm. when she was given a son, she had promised that she would give him to the Lord to work in the temple. It was Samuel. Well, Stanley's story was similar and that his mom, you know, prayed for him and then told him since he was young that he was going to, you know, work for, for Jesus or something like that. But he had always talked about how for some people, faith is a gift. Um, it just comes easy for them. Um, but for him and for others, uh, faith is this continual struggle. And it gave me a lot of uh, reassurance that if someone like Stanley can struggle throughout his faith or even what we now know of mother Teresa, if she can have her dark nights of the soul and she mm. can have her wrestlings so in those time where she times when she felt God was, was not there, then, then it's okay for me, I guess I'm not alone in my own wrestling. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I hear that with you and I appreciate the, the integrity of your journey of saying, you know, I don't know exactly where I'm at, but I know that I'm where, where I am now is not where I once was. And to be true to that, I need to, I need to be true to that yeah rather than just continuing to go through the motions or putting up a fake front. I just see more consistency in your integrity of wrestling with this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um Whereas some people may might be afraid to ask these questions because, like you said, what will this say about my faith, my family, my friends, my upbringing? I mean, who mm-hmm. I have been. If I if that if I call this into question, then will everything else crumble down too?
1: Mm-hmm. So, where... I and mean, I wish I could say no, but but it might. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I look at my life. Like we we ultimately, you know. Uh, we resigned from our position in the church, but then took a new position and then ultimately resigned from the church. But that was more of, that was the real resignation where it was like, if we didn't resign, we were going to get fired. Um, (laughs) and, and that had to do with, with theological differences. And, and I think, um, to some degree of, a fundamental misunderstanding with, with some of the people in the church, uh, of, of, of church history and theology, but also, uh, I have a little bit of bias that direction and, uh, cause you know I'm on the other side of it um, mm-hmm. but uh, you know it, I mean a lot of it came down to atonement theory actually and uh, wrestling with, with different uh, approaches to atonement theory through history and, and how the churches wrestle with that from, from day one of, of what does the atonement what does the resurrection what does the death mean what does the resurrection mean what does it mean that Jesus came and died did God kill Jesus did the Romans kill Jesus did the Jews kill Jesus did Jesus submit to a violent system in order to expose it like there, there's so many layers to that, and uh, and unfortunately, we, we didn't create a place of safety where we could have that conversation. We thought we did, yeah. and then um, and it turned out we didn't. And so we, we left the church, and uh, I also happened to work for uh, the individual who was the head pastor of the church in my, my normal job, so that was, was complicated, and it mm-hmm. was just a place where... I felt was a vulnerable place for me and my family and and I didn't want to be um, dependent on someone that I... uh, that I'd already been through that process with once. And and, and we ended it well. Like, we left on good terms. But at the same time, like, I felt strongly like I needed to leave this... I need to leave this environment. Um,
0: Well, and this is not a... Well, it is. It's a plug and an invitation. (laughs) Part of this starting this podcast and um, the open table conversations at The Well Coffee Shop in Fishers, Indiana is to provide a space wherein people who have felt displaced um, can have people with whom they can share these struggles, these questions, in in a safe environment, I guess. Um, Because one of the things I believe very deeply theologically and and otherwise, is that we are better together. And so rather than having these struggles reserved only for the internal or reserved only for your own self, but can we do them in ways that we can do it together, wrestling together? Um, So I always invite you guys, Mm -hmm. but then I'm inviting the the (laughs) listeners too. um, Because this is really what I hope will our conversations will be like, obviously, Pat has a, a, a theological background. And, and so perhaps what we're talking about, you know, might be a little bit deeper. Um, that's okay. Like, again, we're all on our, our own journeys. So hopefully that can be a place to do that. I guess as because I don't know how long we've been talking for, I think we're over the 30 minute. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm <probably way> over. <laughs> but be, what, where, how, where would you say you're, you are today, I guess? And Obviously, there's a, a big question. Yeah, right? I'm thinking of um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: you know, spiritually, where uh-huh. how
0: would you say where where would you say you are today? Sure, this, October
1: 2017. Um, we I've not been to church. Well, we've been to church. We we went we went to church on Easter. That was like our one time going to church yeah. uh, in Mother's Day, I think, because my mother-in-law wanted to. Uh, so oh, we've yeah. become those people. I, but otherwise, we haven't been since February, uh, when when kind of all this with our old church kind of hit the fan and mm-hmm. um, not uh, not like and part of it's we like in that time I, I got a new job I was commuting we we moved uh, finding a house is insane in oh the north suburbs of Indianapolis um, suburbia suburbia the struggles. Um, <laughs> We had a baby. Yeah. Um. We had a, a, a very unexpected death in the family. Yeah. Like, our 2017 has been crazy. So yeah. we're not, like, opposed to going to church. We did want to take, intentionally take some time off. Yeah. And just kind of lick our wounds and recover. And, and just be home with, with our kids as we went through transition and, yeah. and our newborn. and um, But uh, I, I think that... I think that that where i'm at right now if i had to to sort of uh qualify it is i i still wrestling i i don't see that changing i mean my middle name's jacob and i've always i've always really resonated with that character and in like um am i a sneak (laughs) am i a good guy am i hard-headed am i like Mm. i don't know there's just so much complexity with that character and uh i i used to hate that middle name and now Mm. I, i love it and i feel like it's a legacy
0: your refusal to let your faith God go is very much illustrative of, of the story of Jacob's wrestling with God mm. and all of Israel I and mean, that's what I love most about one of the things I love most about the Hebrew Scriptures is their testimony, their, the witness to a people who continually wrestle with God mm. and with whom God refuses to let go in mm-hmm. all their ups and downs and they're drawing near and they're falling away there remains this this witness to God's steadfast steadfastness. Um, so keep wrestling. Um, keep keep wrestling. I'm here for you, we're here for you and we're doing this together. Mm-hmm. I think oh one of the things I love about Pat too is, is his refusal to accept um, what I call platitudinal Christianity. <laughs> um, I, 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 I cannot stand these general platitudes that, that people say that are comforting and yet, Oftentimes aren't really even Christian, <laughs> but they sound good and they feel good. Um, God helps those who help themselves, Jared. Well, oh, Amen. Uh, I think that's Ben Franklin, not, not ben the Bible. Franklin, yeah. <laughs> hey, so much for the turkey. I'm glad we got the bald yeah. eagle. Uh, but no, I, I think um, you know. I think that there's there's this uh, depth, uh, you know, which I, I think the listeners can hear in it. Well, thank you. Um, we'll I'll probably have you on again. This is a conversation that's always ongoing b- between us, yeah. but. Um, one of the things with Open Table is, uh, you know, Jesus ate good food and drank good drinks uh, with people, good and bad. And so, is there anything that you have um, ate recently, a restaurant you particularly like? You mentioned good restaurants here. Yes. Uh, where, 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 where do you guys like to eat right now?
1: Um, well, we went to one of our all-time favorites last night. We went to, to Bruges. Um, oh, man, Bruges, Bruges is so yeah, good. Broad yeah. Ripple? Broad Ripple, yeah. uh, right on the Monon Trail. It's Belgian place. They they brew their own beers and they um, they do the. I mean, they're fries, frites. Oh, you know, my they gosh. Call them, anyone who calls them frites. It's it's like <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. gonna be good. Yeah. Um, and uh, the you know I got a duck confit sandwich. So oh, yeah. uh, it's got like dried cherries and mustard and duck and it's on this crusty bread and they just cover the plate. It's, like the fi- sandwich is open. And they just cover the plate in French fries. Oh my like, gosh!
0: Like, yeah. my mouth started watering. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> and, the, and the um, with the dips, what do they call them? Uh, the, the... They got different aiolis, yeah, different like, dipping sauces. I yeah. had a
1: blue cheese dip and a sea salt and uh, sh- vinegar, sherry vinegar mm. dip. That's real nice. Got a nice bite, nice salt to it. And then a uh, poplar syrup and Dijon nice. mustard. So it's got like a like a coarse ground mustard and oh, yeah, sweet that's good. syrup and. You do yourself a favor to get some of that. Yes.
0: Well, as this week's podcast comes to a close, I want to thank um, you, the listener, for taking time to listen to this podcast, especially since it's a little bit of a longer one. And I also want to thank my friend, Patrick. It was a joy to have you on this podcast. I'm so thankful for our friendship, and I look forward to... um, Many more memories that we'll make together and for the conversations that we'll continue to have. You know, I was struck though by our conversation and the ways that Pat kept uh, referring to his middle name, Jacob, and the story of Jacob in particular wrestling with God. Now, the big biblical story is strange in itself, it's very ambiguous, but the heart of it lies this wrestling between Jacob and God, at the end of which, Jacob does get a new name. He's blessed with the name Israel, one who wrestles with God. I love that story, and I love the way the entire Bible continues to witness to it. Witnessing to a people who struggle and wrestle as they seek to discern who they are and who God is, their purpose, their meaning, what it means to be a person made in God's image and likeness, and then, of course, in the New Testament, what it means to faithfully follow in the footsteps of Jesus. I love that story because I think it embodies all of our stories. But in addition to that, I love the ways the story and the biblical witness also speaks to God's refusal to let us go in the questioning, in the doubts, in the anger, the grief, the frustrations, even the turning or falling away. God doesn't let us go. And in our struggles, our wrestlings, our questions, we cannot let God go either. Following our conversation I was doing some reading and came across an article that referenced Richard Rohr's book called Eager to Love. Rohr reflects on the genius of St Francis, no not the pope but it was St Francis after whom Pope Francis took on his new name. But he said that the genius of St Francis was that he stayed on the inside edge of the institution. He did not disconnect from the institution but rather stayed on the inside edge, going all the way out to the edge, but staying firmly connected. For those who are listening and for those who are part of the conversations at the Well Coffee Shop in Fishers, I encourage you to continue to remain inside the edge of faith, of a local church congregation, as you wrestle, as you ask, as you continue to grow in your faith journeys, may we do so together. Open Table is the space for you, a safe place to ask such questions and to have meaningful conversations in meaningful ways. This has been the Open Table Theology Podcast, where there's always room for one more. Grace and peace, my friends.